maybe sometime before the end of time we will find out that we do not bite one another and we can sit close to one another and it doesn't hurt to be close to one another. But that time hasn't come yet. So we're grateful for where you are this evening, grateful that you're able to, to be here to come together to, to worship God. Uh, oh, for a faith that will not shrink. I like the picture depicting the, the sermon this evening because basically that's what we look like. We're small children. And we're trying to understand what it is that the doctor is prescribing. And our understanding is just that of children. And we sometimes don't realize the, the depths of what God has given to us. The confidence that God has in us. That we indeed can do the things that he has asked us with the promises that he has given that one day there is that eternal home for us. Peter, as he's writing in this second epistle, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory and virtue, by which we have been given, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For these are yours and abound. You will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's always interesting to, to note how God gives to his children gives generously, abundantly, beyond what we could ask or think. He's given us the power that we do not fully comprehend because of his great love with which he's loved us. And with that desire that he has of us of one day being with him eternally. 
But he does expect something from his children. And he has that expectation that, again, that as we learn knowledge, when we have an understanding, we grasp the general knowledge that God is, and that he is the reward of those that diligently seek him. We believe that he gives to us generously all things, that he watches over us, he makes protection. But sometimes we still lack that knowledge of that depth of that love that he has for us and that willingness that he has to work with us. That we stumble and we fall. John talks about that in 1 John, that if we say we have no sin, we, we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we can walk with him and have fellowship with him. We need to grasp that a little bit, having that fellowship with God. Sometimes it may be like we are this evening. We have fellowship with one another, but it's a little sparse. It's a little separated, is it not? And we, we tend to be willing to accept that and need to sometimes, or sometimes we've applied that with God. We have fellowship with him, but there's a, a gap in between. And that's not what God is intending for us. He intends for us to have a close fellowship with him, a partnership with him, a desire to want to be more like him, to be an imitator of him and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. Have that understanding. We fully cannot comprehend the depths of God's love. We're grateful for it. We fully do not understand the concept of his willingness, his desire, his wish to be with us intimately, to have that fellowship that binds us together with one another and that binds us together with God, that we have no desire to have or to allow anything to separate us from that love. Which means we, again, have to be aware of it. That's where the knowledge is going to come in. Through that knowledge, we have to have an awareness that there is a tremendous adversary out there called the devil. That his intention is to destroy our faith in God, to destroy our confidence in God, to try to instill within us just a moment of hesitation, just a moment of doubt, that God sincerely means that if you walk with him, he'll walk with you. If you surrender the blessings that he gives are beyond our comprehension. And sometimes that's what we have the problem with because we're not fully able to comprehend the depths of those blessings that he has given we don't fully understand that protection that he gives. And we 
we're not careful. We can attribute a lot of things that we see to circumstances. Well, that's just the way things unfolded and not understand how God has worked within our lives and protecting us and guiding us. I think about Job oftentimes. I think about chapters 1 and 2 particularly in the confidence that God had in Job. That just, I don't know about you, that boggles my mind. I mean, this to, to hear the words and to try to picture that image, if you will, of God talking to Satan and telling Satan, have you considered my, my servant Job? What a righteous man he is. Does righteousness and hates what is evil. Have you considered him? And then Satan wants to have his way. And what Satan says oftentimes has this element of truth. He follows you because you have a hedge around him. You take the hedge away, he'll curse you and, and die. To a degree, that is true. And to a degree, we have seen that in our life. And we've read about it in Scripture. We read about it in church history of those who, when the hedge has been removed, as it appears, there have been those who've lost their faith and their confidence in God. And then the second test. To a degree, again, Satan is right. All that a man has, he'll give for his life. And we see that in the physical life, do we not? We see the, the length that we are willing to go to have physical health. A lot of discussion on the market, whatever it is, the, the antidote for it costs $2.1 million for one dose. But if it means life, guess what? We'll work something out. Satan is right to a degree. But he forgets that man can believe in God and can trust in God regardless of what happens here on the earth. Again, you read Job chapter 1 and 2 and see what Job was, had to endure for his faith and his trust in God. But he had his confidence there. He had his questions. But as with any time we have questions concerning God, take them to God. Take them and look in his word to see what answer he has to give. And those are given there in chapter 38 and through 42 to remind us again, we're not in control and we have no clue as to the full design that God has. Peter says, through this knowledge, we have confidence in God, that he'll see us through. But in this knowledge that we have, the scriptures also remind us that we're not expected to stay where we are. Give all diligence. Give serious consideration. Give an understanding in a mindset that says, I'm going to grow. And I'm going to learn. And I want to serve God in a better way from our perspective than I have before. 
And sometimes, again, we forget God's perspective of us. What does the Lord require of you? Micah 6 and verse 8, to love justice, love mercy, love justice, and walk humbly with your God. That last key there. The others are important, but walking humbly with your God. Walk humbly. Understand that God indeed is involved in our life. Walking alone at Eve and trusting that God is there. Have that understanding that so many times I've allowed my eyes to become dry. What can I do to change that? It's through our, the knowledge that he gives to us and our growth in it. We call them the Christian graces. And briefly defined, they are faith as conviction, strong assurance. Virtue is moral excellence and godliness. Knowledge is correct insight. Self-control is self-discipline. Perseverance, bearing up under trials. Godliness is a godly character out of devotion to God. Brotherly kindness is love towards the brethren. And love is active goodwill towards those that are in need. And Peter says we need to abound in these graces. We need to have them in our life. They're given in a order, add to. And so they're not a add to here, subtract from there. They're all our add to. You start with faith. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. There's where the knowledge begins by the hearing of God's word. The understanding of what the gospel is and why it's good news. We live in a world and have for since time again, but again, it's always sad to see that in the time that has gone on since the beginning of how God's people still have not understood what God wants from us. I've heard Christians say, that those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who have never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ will be in heaven. If that's God's will. And you're thinking, what have you missed? Or what have I missed? I've asked that question several times about some of my classmates at school. I've mentioned before, we sat in the same classes. We heard the same instruction from the same teachers. Use the same book, and I often wonder what class I missed because they went this way and then they went to left field. And they've made statements such as that. I've heard those who've been in the Lord's church for 35, 50 years make the same statement. If God wants to save those who've never been baptized for the remission of their sins, God can do that because He is God. Last time I checked, this is God's Word. And it has not changed. And so I need to start with my knowledge, my faith in the Word of God. Then I need to add virtue, moral excellence. God requires something out of me because of who He is and because of His nature. If I'm to be a child of the living God, then I'm 
supposed to want to be like God requires a life change. That life change comes, comes through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, and then it continues to grow by allowing God to work within our lives. And then to have knowledge, that correct insight, to draw the right conclusions from it. Again, from creation, we've seen it. See it in Genesis 4, Genesis 3. See it down through time, even into today's age or not, of the misunderstanding of what God has asked of us. And believing that whatever it is that we render is acceptable to God. Again, I've heard Christians make the same comment. Well, it really does not matter how we worship God. As long as we're worshiping the one God, He does not care how we go about doing that. Again, I've read something different than what they're reading. Evidently, that God does care how we worship Him. It goes back to Genesis 4. And it goes on down through time. That God does care. It makes a difference to God. Leviticus 10, 1 through 3, makes a difference. It's an interesting chapter to read on beyond Leviticus 10, 1 through 3. To see what God told the father Aaron. Of how he was to react to the loss of Nadab and Abihu. Do not mourn for them. Do not follow that procedure of the loss of of one. Because they were in violation of what God has said. Seems like such a minor violation. Offering a fire that God had not authorized. Violation of what God has said. These were given to us for our admonition that we might learn from them and might grow from them. So we need that correct insight to what God is looking for. He's saying, I want you to strive to be like me. Understanding that you are the child and I am God. And so whatever you do is going to be imperfect, if we will, in the light of God. But in the eyes of God, what we do and we do in his will is perfect. We're walking in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Then we have to have self-control, self-discipline. Not free to do what we want. We, we start that in the physical life with children when they're very small. You're not free to do what you want. There are restrictions that are involved in that. And therefore, your benefit. And once we understand that whatever it is that God has restricted is for our good. And it does not take long to look in the world and to see that what they do has its consequences here. But more than that, it has its consequences eternally. Again, it, it's, even, it's getting worse all the time. It's always been bad, I understand, but it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And it seems to me I read that somewhere. Waxing worse and worse. We're getting that way. Commercials today, I do not understand them. 
I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to promote that any lifestyle, particularly in the sexual realm, is okay and acceptable, regardless of what it is, and regardless of consequences, because they always got the medication that allow you to keep doing what you're doing and not change. Cannot watch the program because you got the commercials that come on there. And since I don't have the internet or the cable or anything else, I can't blip them out or record them and watch them later and skip the commercials. But I'm just simply saying, the world shows you that what God said is right. There are consequences for the lifestyle that is not in harmony with what God has said in his word. And we need to learn that self-discipline. And then we need to learn perseverance, bearing up under trials. We need that perseverance. Not a bed of roses, not going through life with no trials, no tribulations. That's how some people have viewed Christianity. Well, I thought when I became a Christian, all my problems would be solved. I wouldn't have any troubles, any trials. Misunderstood what it means to become a child of God. Trials are going to be there. Scriptures say they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute you. They rejected him, they're going to reject you. It's hard to have that attitude that he displayed of that love and compassion, that desire of wanting what was best for them, which is to change their life. Not only do we need that virtue, which is moral excellence, we need godliness. The godly character out of devotion to God. How can you read what God has done and not have a love and devotion for him. You start with Genesis 1-1 and read on down through. Read all the way down through Revelation 22. Read of the depths of his love. Godliness. Why would we not want to be more like him? Again, the world shows what it's like to be ungodly. The world shows what it's like to have bitterness, hatred, Disregard for fellow man. We're dealing with that in a society right now, are we not? How high is the murder rate spiked in Detroit? In Detroit, it does there pretty good as well. In Dallas, just within the last month or so. Murder from 12-year-olds carrying guns on up. The world already shows what ungodliness is. It takes virtue. It takes self-control. It takes trusting God to bear up under the trials that we will encounter. Be devoted to God because I see what he's done for us. Brotherly kindness. Love towards your brother. Talked about that this morning a little bit. You see your brother hungry? Feed him. Take care of him. Have compassion. Because that is exactly what God has done with you. He's shown compassion. He's shown mercy. 
He's given what is needed. And that's what we ought to do for one another. And then have love, that act of goodwill towards those that are in need. It's often said, it's interesting to me, that what we call the Christian graces, the last one that is developed is love. The first one that we want. But that is the first characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. First characteristic is love. First thing the Spirit gives is love. The last thing that we grow and develop in is, is love. That concern for another, active, active goodwill towards another. And then again, Peter says, we need to abound in these graces. Not only do we need to be adding them to our lives, we need to add in, be adding them and abounding in them. Because the more we do, the more we're godlike. And the more that we're godlike, the better we'll be able to fight off what we face in the world. We're to draw near to God and He'll draw near to us. We're to resist the devil and He will flee from us. But again, in each case, the activity is initiated on our part. You draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. He's already there. You draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. And when you do that, then you can resist the devil and He'll flee from you. You have to resist it. Oh, this too great. Temptation. Satan knows what it is. What it is that will grab your attention and get you to do something you know that is wrong. We have to resist him. And Satan knows what each one, for us, what each one of that is being in one way or another. There may have been a time in my life when a bottle of whiskey sitting on a table would have been a temptation for me before I became a Christian. And now that doesn't bother me. I have no desire for it at all. Now you put a box of Snickers on this side, we might have another story to deal with. Satan simply knows, I'm trying to say, he knows where your weakness is. But God also knows that you have strength in him to overcome that. That's why there's not one sitting there. He gives you what you need to overcome. You have the, what you need. You do not have to give in to it. Flee from the devil. Move in the opposite direction. God has provided a way of escape. If we will but look for that way, oftentimes we don't do that. I'm going to fight it until I con conquer it. I may not have the strength that I need right now, and it's a time to retreat, regroup, get back into the Word and see what I need to help me along the way, to remind myself, listen, this world isn't it. All that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from God. And it's from the world, and the world is passing away. I need that. I need to remind myself. The things of this world are passing away. And I'm looking for an eternal home with God in heaven. But I need to be working towards that end and do the things that indeed would be pleasing to God. These are yours. 
And it's, again, it's interesting as you read those graces, they work in conjunction with one another. You cannot skip them. <laughs> you take them as they're given. You start with faith and you add unto that. And each one helps you deal with the other. And often I've said they're stepping stones. If you've got problems that you have as you're encountering along the way, if you've got problems with self-control, go back to knowledge. Once you get a good concept and understanding of what knowledge is, it will help you to have better self-control. They work with each other. You need each one. You need their step and you're moving up. And if you have problems, you can always go back a little bit. And sometimes, guess what? You get to go, excuse me, you get to go all the way back to the first one, which is what? Faith. Add unto your faith. Faith comes from where? From hearing. Hearing from where? From the Word of God. Sometimes you've got to go all the way back to the beginning. Go back to the Word of God. Start again. What has God said? Why has He said it? What is the purpose for it? How do I apply it within my life? How is it going to help me? Trust in Him. And do His will. Believe that He'll walk with you each step of the way. Believe that He will strengthen you. That He gives you what you need. Find those verses that reinforce why you had the doubt. Whatever it may be, God has the answer for us. And we will but trust Him. And to give diligence in our efforts. Put forth that effort. It is worth it. It's worth it in any aspect of life. Any aspect of life or whatever it is, wherever we're at, age-wise, we've always got to, or we always will face something that is above where we're at to challenge us, whatever it may be. And we may think we're not able to reach that challenge, but we're to be striving towards it. And at times, you are able to look back and see, I see the growth. I see the changes. I see the things that I struggled with at one time that do not bother me. I've got new struggles I work with. But as I overcome them, I can overcome these. They come through the same message. They come through the same way. Given diligence to add into our faith these Christian graces that Peter's talking about. And they will help us in our lives. And they will enable us to be who it is that God would have us to be. It's hard to have that love without all of those qualities that have been mentioned previously. Active goodwill towards others. If you have those qualities before you, that's not that much of a problem. If the problem is there, then work on those with the help of God. His desire that we would live for him his desire is that we would ever be his disciple. His desire is that one day, again, our home will be heaven. And one day that we will enjoy that joy and that privilege of being in the house of God. But it does begin with that thought of having a broken heart, a broken spirit, and sorrow for what we've done that's been contrary to God's will. 
And to know that with that broken heart and that broken spirit, that as we turn to God, he's there to receive us. He's there to restore us. He's there to reaffirm and reestablish that love he has for us and I hope that he's given to us. Where is your life this evening? Is it where God would have it to be? If it's not and you have a need to make a change in your life, if we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.